Hey everyone, welcome back to Worth Recovery, podcast featuring women in sex addiction. My name is Amy, I'm a recovering sex addict, and I have been sober since December 2nd of 2012. So I have I'm I have a lot of thoughts swirling in my head. And normally when I record podcasts, I kind of sit down and outline them or at least give a you know, kind of a general idea of what I'm going to be talking about. But that just hasn't been possible this week, and I am committed to getting my podcast back on track as far as uh, getting episodes out at least every week, if not more often. I'm hoping to get up to twice a week like I was before. And so it's Friday, January 4th, and I am not going to let this, January 5th actually, and I'm not going to let this week go by without getting a podcast out. So hopefully all of this will make sense to you because I have some things I want to share. So first, um, I am in California this week. I'm here visiting my grandfather who is dying. And I, it's my mom's dad. And I was really hoping that 2018 was going to be like my year off from death because I've had a close family member die um, every year for the last, I think when I finally like ended up counting it, it was eight years. Um, starting with my grandmother in 2009, at the end of 2009, and it just feels like since then, I've had someone pass away every year that I've been close to. Um, so I'm not talking like, you know, random people I don't know or things like that. I mean, but people that I was close to that were part of my my life and my family, and um, and it's been, it's been a little rough. <laughs> and a little rough is probably an understatement. It's been rough. So I'm in California, and I thought that, um, so a couple things about California that I think is really interesting. Um, first of all, this is my home. This is where I grew up. Uh, this is where I spent, I don't know, probably 70% of my life living in California. And so a lot of it feels like home. It feels like coming back home. Yet this time around, I still have parts of it that feel very foreign. And I'm actually considering that progress. Um, second thing I've noticed since I've been here is that temperature is all relative because um, I was hoping that it was going to be beautiful and sunny and amazing. And it's not. It's raining. Um, and, you know, raining's not horrible. For sure, raining is not horrible. Uh, it's about 65 degrees, and everyone here is dressed for, like, snow. Like, snow hats and jackets, rain boots. And I am over here in a short sleeve t-shirt with flip-flops, and I could not be happier. Because what's super cold to them, 25 de- or 65 degrees, is still... Um, incredibly warm for me from where I've been in Utah. So it's like 30 to 35 degrees warmer than where I've been. And I'm loving it. I am absolutely loving it. So I'm excited for that. Um, but it's, it's interesting to me that temperature is all relative. Now I'm setting this stage because I've had all these ideas and thoughts that I'm going to bring them all together at the end here. So they might feel random right now, but I'm hoping that I can tie them all together at the end. Um, everything is, is relative, right? So temperature is definitely relative. Um, I, yeah, it's pretty funny. And then, uh, and then the other thing I noticed about being here 
is I used to be in a job um, before I started this podcast and before I, well, not before I got in recovery, but after I got in recovery, but I used to be in a job where I would travel um, 75 to 80, even closer to sometimes 90% of the time. I would leave nearly every week on Sunday night or Monday morning, and I would work um, with a with an organization for the entire week, and then I would fly home, like on Friday night, <coughs> Friday night or Saturday morning, I'd fly home, and then repeat the process the following week. Sometimes if the locations were close, I would stay the weekend because it was easier on me than traveling back and forth because I didn't have a family at home and because um, a lot of it was on the East Coast. And so it was just easier to spend the weekend than it was to travel back and forth. So it ended up being a lot of travel. And uh, every, it seemed like every place that I went while I was traveling, I would go into escape fantasy about that um, that location. I would drive. I love to. I love to drive. Like that's an understatement. I love to drive, and so I would drive around and I would like look at the homes and the people, and I would decide I'm gonna live. I would live in this area of town, and I could get a job here doing this. And I, yeah, every single week it was like this ongoing fantasy about. What town in the United States was I going to move to and just pick up and start over? And I knew this was a problem. I talked to my therapist about it um, quite a bit, actually. Uh, but I, I couldn't seem to stop it. And I, I loved doing it. It was fun. Um, so I'm here in California. And typically, you know, I've, when I travel... I haven't traveled so much the last year with my mom being sick. Um, but typically when I travel, I go into that escape fantasy of like, oh, what if I lived here? What if I was part of this community? And, you know, who would I get to know? And where would I live? And all that good stuff. I don't feel that way this time. Um, this time I I am observing. I'm driving. I'm driving right now. I'm out driving around a little bit. And... Um, And I'm looking at people and and thinking about their lives, which I do a lot, and kind of understanding, you know, who they are and what's going on and how they live. Um, But I I don't have a fantasy of escaping here. I don't want to move here. I am content with where I'm at right now. and, And that for me is new. And it feels really good. It feels really good. Um, I think it just feels good because I don't, I'm not in this fantasy of escaping from my life and starting over. And so I'm really grateful for that moment of just clarity of where I'm at and what's going on. Okay. So let's see. We talked about that. Second thing, the rain. Oh, we talked about the rain. It's raining, right? And it's an interesting kind of rain because it reminds me of Seattle rain, which is if you're walking in it or driving slowly in it, like at a stop sign or something, or, um, you wouldn't even really say it's raining. Like, you don't feel anything on your face necessarily if you were walking. Um, I was sitting at a stop sign a second ago, and my windshield wipers were going, and my windshield was dry. It didn't feel like there was any rain. And you wouldn't necessarily say, oh, it's raining outside. But then I get in my car and I start driving, right? And the faster I go, the more I need my windshield wipers because... It's raining. There is water coming out of the sky. Um, And, you know, I'm driving about 55 right now. And 
my windshield wipers are going regularly. They're not even on intermittent. They're going regularly because that's how much rain is coming out of the sky. Yet, if I was to look, I would not say it's raining outside. And I had this moment when I was thinking about that and kind of watching my windshield wipers. I'm very reflective this week, so I everything seems to be telling me a story. I had this moment when I realized that that is what my life can or has been like, I should say, and can be, right? It's because whatever speed I'm going at, the water becomes a bigger obstacle. If I'm going faster than the water in the air, you know, hits my windshield, or my windshield hits the water, that's really how it works here, and my windshield wipers go. But if I'm going slow, it's not as big of a deal. And it made me think about kind of the frantic pace of our lives and how fast our lives are moving all of the time. And how obstacles in our way or things in our lives, people, things, emotions, whatever it is, they're all relative depending upon the speed at which we are moving. Okay, so think about that for a second. And then let me tell you one more story. And then I'll bring this all together in a conclusion, I'm hoping. So my second story, or third, or I don't know, whatever number story I'm on today. um, I went to lunch by myself today. I'm headed to my grandfather's right now, and I went to lunch by myself, and uh, I really, really was craving pancakes, so I went to a pancake place here, and um, I they sat me, I was just by myself, so they sat me kind of at this table in the back, and I was seated next to this woman, these two women. At first, they were just two women to me. I didn't really know what was going on. But I sat down, and because I didn't have someone, you know, with me, I was writing in my journal and reading and doing a few other things. But, of course, I could hear this conversation going on next to me with these two women. So I soon found out that these two women were mother-daughter. Um, the daughter was probably, I would say, maybe my age, 40-ish, maybe a little bit older. Um, and they were talking about Christmas and, and just different things going on in their lives. And the, the daughter was just busy chatting. I, I wouldn't have thought that there was, you know, anything unusual about their relationship. I wouldn't have thought that there was really anything at all going on uh, from the beginning of their conversation. And she was talking about how her family is leaving next week, her and her kids and her husband, and they're going to Greece and they're doing these things. I think she might have been Greek or Italian or something. She had an Italian type accent at least that's what it sounded like to me um and and just you know chatting on and this is where we're going to go and this is what we're going to do and and her mother was just you know making comments occasionally and things were fine and then when she got done telling about this the their trip what was going to happen um her mother asked her a question she said so what are you going to do next week and that's that was for me that was kind of the clue of oh there's, there's something going on here. And the daughter was like, oh, yeah, we're going to go to Greece. My my husband and my kids are going to go to Greece with me, and we're going to visit so-and-so and this and that. And and the the mother was like, oh, oh, that sounds so great, so interesting. And and then I started to kind of pay attention a little bit to their conversation. Um, I don't know what this older woman, this mother had 
um, whether it's dementia or Alzheimer's or I'm not really sure what her diagnosis was, but it became very evident that she has some kind of mental um, impairment that she's struggling with. Um, and, you know, she would ask questions or she would, yeah, she would ask questions about her grandchildren and her daughter would pull out her phone and, and just start flipping through all these pictures. Oh yeah, let's look at, let's look at your grandchildren. And, and the mother asked, well, you know, who was this one? And what did, did I send them something for Christmas or did they send me something for Christmas? And the daughter would fill in all of the blanks for her and, and talk and tell her all these things. And, and it was for me, it was so emotional for so many different reasons. Um, first of all, just watching a mother-daughter interact, a woman who's about my age with her mother was a little hard for me because I just lost my mother. And so recognizing that, that, that I, don't, I can't do that anymore, that was hard. Um, it was also emotional because this daughter was so patient with her mother. Her mother was obviously struggling and this daughter just loved her and was so patient. And like I said, from her side of the conversation, you would not have known or even guessed that there was anything going on. And I reflected a lot on the conversations I had with my mom the last few months of her life. And, um, she, I wouldn't say that she was losing mental capacity, but she definitely was struggling with things. And for some of my siblings, um, it was easy to be patient for others of my siblings. It was hard and we would lose patience sometimes or, and I would say some of us even got, um, a little short with my mom or took it out on her, or I already answered that question, those type of comments. And I loved watching this woman interact with her mom because she, there was nothing like that going on, um, at all whatsoever. And the other thing that was really emotional for me was just the idea that, um, I won't have to do that. <laughs> I'm grateful that when my mom passed, um, she was mentally clear on who we were, on what was going on, on the things in her life that were important to her, um, that there was no mental impairment. There was with my dad and my dad passed away of brain cancer. So I've watched that and I've dealt with that and I've been there. Um, uh, but my mom, not, not that way. And I, I am grateful for that. I'm grateful for, for her mental clarity all the way to the end. So it was a little emotional. And as I, as they, they left before me and as they left, uh, her mother turned to me. She, we didn't talk the whole time, but her mother got up and, and as she was leaving, she turned to me and just said, happy new year. And then turned around and walked out. And I, I was just really grateful for her acknowledgement of me and, uh, and, and just, you know, the ability to wish someone a happy new year. Okay. So those have been my experiences the last 24 hours. And as I kind of sat there after they left and was thinking about, I need to get a podcast together and what, what to say and talking about courage, particularly this year, as it is my year of courage, what came to me and what I've been thinking about is finding and having the courage to slow down in life. And so let me see if I can pull all this together for you. Our lives are 
going at frantic rates. I mean, just frantic, crazy speed, breaknecking speeds all the time. Um, I know, like, for me, I have people that get upset with me if I don't text back within, like, 30 minutes. There's no, you know, there's... (laughs) If you don't immediately respond, people get upset. Um, That right there is there's a lot of pressure in that. There's a lot of speed in that. There's not a lot of time to reflect or or think about what's going on in your life. I was thinking about the windshield. Right now I'm going to turn my windshield wipers off because it doesn't feel like it's raining. I just pulled up to a stop sign, that's why. But as soon as I start moving again, my windshield hits the water and it's overwhelming and I've got to turn my windshield wipers back on. And I feel like that's kind of how we look at obstacles in life. Having, when we go fast, they are overwhelming. They blind us, right? Like the water on my windshield. It blinds me to the point where I can't see. I can't see things. And if I can see, it's distorted. It's a distorted image through that water. But yet if I have the courage to slow down a little bit, to give myself some space, and to say no, to not live at the frantic pace that the world sometimes demands of us, if I have the courage to slow down, that rain is not overwhelming. It's just a little drizzle. It's just a little misting, actually. I don't even know if I'd call it drizzle. And I can handle that. I can I can deal with that as it comes. And those obstacles don't distort my view. And they don't cause problems for me. And they aren't blinding or overwhelming. If I have the courage to slow down. But it takes courage to slow down. Because the world that we live in does not support slowness. The world that we live in does not support being mindful or taking the time that you need to reflect on things, right? We, we live in a world where it's cool. It's the end thing to live on less than five hours of sleep or five hours or less. It's the cool thing to be a mother, work full time, provide for your family, feed everyone, clothe everyone, homeschool your kids on top of that, and and do all the and just demand, 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 demand from people all of the time. We live in a world where there's instantaneous communication around the world all the time. And so unplugging or taking time out to to slow down or to do things that you need to do and make yourself unavailable is not supported. It's not supported for you to unplug or it's not supported for you to to take time and do the things that you need to do. It's I think in some areas we're getting better at that, but it's also very it's the end thing and there's a lot of pressure to be available 24/7. There's a lot of pressure to always have a side hustle going on. There's a lot of pressure to do a lot of things and to live at this speed of life that that is damaging for us. But if we can find the courage to slow down, then we can handle the obstacles in front of us in a much safer, much better, mindful way. And this woman today was a perfect example of that for me. Because she slowed down. When her mother wasn't 
like she could she could clue in that her mother wasn't following what was going on or wasn't part of the conversation or wasn't there she didn't get frustrated with her at all she just slowed down and said okay let me meet you where you're at let me talk to you with what's going on you don't remember your grandchildren okay here's some pictures let me remind you who your grandchildren are you don't remember what you sent for christmas okay let me tell you what you sent for christmas and and it wasn't this you know demand 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 or meet my schedule or meet me on my terms it was a very careful thoughtful conversation with her mother and and it was a slower conversation with her mother and yet even in that slowness there were moments of connection it wasn't like her mother was completely gone and in slowing down her mother was able to provide her with some information um, information about some family history things or information about some people um, they were obviously like I said from Greece or from Italy or something like that and and her mother was able to provide her with some information. I think she had lived over there at one time and, and told a couple stories. And and that, to me, was awesome. Because this woman was going to go visit this area. And, and you could tell she was so excited to hear these stories. And she asked questions about them. And that came because of her courage to slow down and interact with her mother. She didn't have to. I've seen that happen lots of times. You don't have to. You can just keep going at breakneck speeds, but it takes courage to slow down. It takes courage to slow down and interact with our children at their level. It takes courage to slow down and interact with the people around us at their level. And it takes courage to have the boundaries to be able to do that in a way that's healthy for us as well. I'm not advocating that you uh, slow down to the point where you don't make movement, or I'm not advocating that... You sacrifice your own lives to slow down and interact with people. But what I am advocating is that you evaluate the speed of your life and figure out what is going on. Is what you're doing serving you? Is it helping you? Is it moving you forward in recovery? For me, I know early on in recovery, uh, especially early on, it was, uh, it was, dangerous for me because I have always been a like I've always moved at breakneck speeds I've always been a doer let's just go let's get this done let's move let's do it fast people have always been impressed with how quickly I accumulate knowledge how quickly I can get through a book how quickly I can make a plan that's always been part of my life and at the beginning I found that I just wanted to do it really fast and be done. I just wanted to get through all of the, um, that's my phone going off. Sorry. I just wanted to get through all the books. I wanted to read the workbooks. I wanted to fill it all out. I wanted to be done. There's a story in the AA big book, um, that talks about, I think it's, I think it's Bill W and how like overnight he did all the 12 steps, like all the worksheets for all of it. And it may, might've been like somebody he was working with. And, uh, and he comes back and he's like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> and, and then the man later reflects on like how silly that was to think that overnight I could read a book and assimilate all that information into my life. I could even fill out all the worksheets and that I would be a changed person. 
it took me some time to figure out because that was me. My therapist would say, go get this book. And I'd be like, okay. And then I'd come back the next week and I'd have read the whole book, not just got the book, but read the whole book. And he would be like, uh, oh, okay. And I remember it taking him off guard several times. And, and that was how I worked, but it took me some time to realize that going forward at that speed was not going to produce the results that I wanted in my life. If I wanted to assimilate this information into my life, not just acquire it, I had to slow down. I had to read. I had to reread. I had to try it out. I had to talk to people about what I was reading. I had to slow down in order to make this information actually part of me and to change my life. And when I slowed down, things weren't so overwhelming. When I slowed down, I could handle the little bit of raindrops that were coming down. I didn't have to worry about the blinding speed at which I was trying to accumulate things. Okay, I think all of that takes a lot of courage. I know as I'm here to visit with my grandfather, that's going to take a whole other level of courage too. Having just lost my mom um, and probably going to lose my grandpa in the next few months, Yeah, I'm already, you know, a little bit down for the count. Coming back, working through some grief, and uh, and this is going to open up some wounds. And that's okay, because that's what this is about. It's okay as long as I slow down and I work through it, and don't just go so fast, blindingly, through this experience that on the other end, I regret what happened. So I'm grateful for these little reminders today. I hope that you can find some uh, wisdom in here about slowing down. I hope that you can find the courage to evaluate the speed at which you're trying to move. Are you trying to move so fast that it's not working? Sometimes we feel a lot of pressure, and not just women, but I think especially as women, we feel a lot of pressure, and age can do that to us about, you know, what we have accomplished or have not accomplished. Um, We also sometimes feel a lot of pressure about kind of where we're going, what we're not doing. Um, There's just so so many different things. Um, I know, like, the whole women feel a lot of pressure around biological clocks. Uh, Just different issues that we have that we face. So I just want you to evaluate today, what's the speed of your life? And is that speed working for you? Are you able to accomplish? Do you feel like you're making progress? Or are you moving so fast that you can't really even see what's going on because you're blinded by all the water coming at you? Or is it all distorted because you're going so fast? So just think about that today. And then I challenge you to make some adjustments. Make some adjustments. Think about what can you give up in life? Even if it's just a temporary thing. Can I give something up temporarily so that I can slow down a little bit and get where I want to go? That's the question. I know for me, I had to give up a lot of things at the beginning of recovery to devote some time to recovery and for those principles to really take root in my life. And I gave up some things. Things that I was not were super happy about, um, but things, but it, things that were necessary. And I've talked to you before about how I've been able to reclaim a lot of those things in recovery. 
Because once that information gets assimilated into my life and it becomes part of me, I don't need to go as quickly. I don't need to go as fast. But if I want to, I can. Um, And I can reclaim some of those things in my life and bring them back in in a way that really, really works and serves me. And I'm incredibly grateful for that. So that's what I have for you today. I hope that you can find some courage today to do something hard. Whether that's, I hope, evaluate your life. But whether it's something else. I hope that you have found some courage this year in 2018 so far in our first five days. I also hope that you're going to join me this year on Courage and that you have started joining me with our Talking Back Challenge. If you haven't, get get on the website, find the Talking Back logo at the top, click enter your email address and start the Talking Back Challenge. I know that so far for me, this has been like literally life-changing. The first time I did it years and years ago, but every time I engage in this process of really trying to discover these talking back messages and to, or these, I should say, shameful messages, the enemy, the enemy identification process. I'm just finishing that tonight. And then, um, and to really talk back to them has really been a a change, a life changing event. So I hope that you can find that as well. Also get on the website and look at where our courage conference is going to be this year. We're going to start in Salt Lake city in just a few months. Um, yeah, Wow, just like six or eight weeks in Salt Lake City. So I hope you're joining us there. Um, Also, you can join us in Seattle or in um, Atlanta, Georgia or in Buffalo, New York. So wherever you're at this year, I hope that you'll join us in the Courage Conference. So I also hope that you remember, no matter where you're at, no matter what's going on in your life right now, that you are 100% worth recovery. You are. You are worth it. You are worth the effort, the time, the investment. You're worth all of it. No matter what's going on, no matter how far you think you've gone, no matter where you are in this very moment, no matter what speed you're working at, if it's too fast or too slow, you are still worth recovery. And you're worth finding the eff- putting the effort in to find the right speed for you to travel and get the most done and be the most productive in recovery. I hope that you have a fantastic day. I think about you, I pray for you, and I love you. Until next time, Amy.